Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. I get the great opportunity this morning to finish up this series that we started a few weeks ago, Not Us, All About Marriage, and it's been an incredible series. And here's the great thing that I get to do now. I get to review, from my point of view, some of the things that Pastor Rocky's been talking about over the last three weeks. And so um, I, I, I love this series. To me, this is one of the best marriage series I think we've had uh, here in a while. And it's not just because I get to, to speak during it. That has nothing to do with it. Up until this point, it might, it might be terrible after this. So just just... Lean on the last three weeks. Uh, But the first week, Pastor Rocky talked about how this series really is all about preventative maintenance in our marriages. Nobody goes into a marriage relationship. Nobody stands on the altar and says, I do, and then looks forward to getting divorced. Nobody does that, right? But a lot of us don't do anything to prevent divorce, and that's the problem. And so we talked about that the first week. There was a quote that he had the first week that was so challenging. I saw it ended up on social media all over the place. Uh, If you have kids, this should be one of the most challenging statements uh, in the world for you. He said, when your grown children depend more on you than on God, you failed as a parent. Ouch, that hurts, but it's so, so true. And so uh, we learned that truth the first week. The second week, uh, he talked about the, uh, the, how we need to have each other's back as spouses, but we also need to have God in that mix as well because we can have each other's back, and when Satan attacks, we'll be fine as long as he comes from the front or the back. But uh, Satan, as our pastor uh, coined some theology, I think, a couple weeks ago, said there is the velociraptor demon, uh, which I can't find anywhere in God's word, but it's so cool, I'm keeping it in, um, that uh, that he can attack from the sides. He'll get us distracted sometimes, and he'll attack from the sides when we don't expect it at all. And so we need God to be a huge part of our marriages to be able to be successful. And then last week, uh, Pastor Rocky talked about the difference between being united and untied. And the only difference between those two words is the placement of the eye. And that is a huge, huge lesson for us in our marriages, because when the eye is in the wrong place, our marriage will begin to unravel. And he talked about three things that we can do to be tightly knit together. And the first thing is to be tightly knit together in our finances, that it's not my money and your money when you get married, it's our money together. We make those decisions together. That will unite you as a couple. It's, uh, the second thing was our children's lives, and then the third thing was our convictions. We've got to be united in the things that we stand for in our convictions. And so it's been a great series so far. I love that I get the chance to kind of put a bow on this whole thing and talk. Um, I, I want to say to all the single people in the room that you have been a part of this series. Maybe you didn't know we were doing this series, so this is a surprise for you. Surprise. Um, We're in the middle of a marriage series. But if you've been here and you've been coming consistently, I want to tell you that we're extremely proud of you because I know that that can probably be pretty tough. And so today, toward the end of this message, I want to talk to the single people for just a minute. Um, I think that there's some things that God's kind of laid on my heart that that I'm excited to share with you, uh, and, and we'll get there in just a second. But, you know, I I want to make sure that everybody knows this morning that I'm not standing up here as the authority uh, on marriage. Please understand that. In fact, I I might be able to tell you more about what not to do than to do uh, in a a marriage relationship. Don't say amen. Don't you dare say amen. But for real, because here's what I feel like sometimes. I feel like when I get something figured out in my marriage or with my wife, like the rules all change all of a sudden. Man, I know you're not going to amen me because you're scared of your wife elbowing you right now, but you know I'm telling the truth, right? Every time that we get something figured out, every Everything changes. The game changes. All the rules change. It's hard to win a game when the rules change all the time. In our young adult Bible study for Bridge, we uh, on Wednesday nights, we've been doing a series called Loveology. It's been all about uh, being single, dating, relationships, marriage, all that kind of stuff. And one week, 
we were talking about romance. And so I threw it out to the group that we had. I said, talk about it. What, what is romance for you? What is romantic to you? And, uh, and there was a woman who shared with our group. She said, listen, it's, it's different every time. Like my husband could do something romantic for me one day. And while that's romantic today, he could do the same exact thing the next day and it won't be romantic. And this poor guy is just sitting there looking at me with these big eyes like, help me, please help me. Like <laughs> I had nothing for him, but we get it. We understand. And to be honest, guys, I think the reason that we like sports so much is because we know that we can be in an environment where the rules don't change. We know that when we show up to watch a football game, they can use their hands. They're not only going to be able to use their feet. Well, real football, you know what I'm talking about. But, um, you know, we know in that environment, they're not going to change the rules in the middle of the game because changing the rules in the middle of the game makes it impossible to win that game. Men, does that feel like marriage to you sometimes? <laughs> You've chosen poorly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> In all serious though, reality is I, I love being married. I love my wife. She's incredible. Uh, she's one of the best things that has ever happened to me in my entire life. In fact, next month we'll celebrate nine years of marriage. Uh, and so we're, thank you. Nine years apparently gets a golf clap. I don't know. 20 years of standing ovation. I don't know how that works. I'll look forward to that. But I do, I, I, love, I love being married. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that most people in this room, if you're married on the good days, on the good days, you'll agree with me that marriage is a gift. On the good days. It's pretty easy to look at your marriage, see your relationship with your spouse and think, man, what a gift this is that we get to experience. And here's what I want to do. I want you to look at your spouse, if your spouse is here. Now, here, here's, listen, here's what I'm not going to do. I've premeditated this because throughout this series, Pastor Rocky's had you look at somebody else and say things. You know, that's how we do it in church. You know, look at your neighbor and say whatever. And since it's been this marriage series, he's been telling you to talk to your spouse a lot. And it gets super awkward when me and Josh Bryant, our family ministries directors, our, our director is the only two people on the front row. And then he makes mention of this. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to single anybody out. Pardon the pun, but here's what I want to do. If your spouse is here with you this morning, when I count to three, I want you to look at them and say, you're a gift. Okay, that's what I want you to do. If your spouse is not here or you're single, I want you to look at somebody that is in the same boat as you are this morning. I want you to look at them and say, marriage is a gift. There you go, okay? And so single people, here's a little side note. You're welcome for this because you've been sitting around that person that you've been wanting to talk to for a while and so here's your opportunity to identify, lock eyes, make contact, and then say something like, marriage is a gift, girl, or however you want to do it. I don't care. That's up to you. That's up to you. So on the count of three, if your spouse is here, look at him and say, you're a gift. If your spouse is not here, if you're single, look at somebody else and say, marriage is a gift. One, two, three. <laughs> Some of you were just so confused about what to do. You just didn't say anything at all. Oh, man. Man, on the good days, it's easy to see that. It's easy to see that marriage is a gift from God to us. In fact, the Bible talks about the gifts that God gives us, and he says in James chapter 1 and verse 17, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I love that verse because it tells us that anytime God gives us a gift, anytime he gives us something, including marriage as a gift, that it is good and it is perfect. Marriage is a good gift from God. Now I can tell by some of the reactions on some of your faces that you have a hard time trying to make that all fit in your mind and understand that because your experience has been anything but good when it comes to marriage. 
And maybe it's because the environment that you grew up in, the home that you grew up in, that marriage of your mother and your father or your stepfamily or whatever it was, was anything but good. It was anything but happy. In fact, you were out of there as soon as you possibly could be. It, was, it doesn't make sense that you look at that relationship and say, well, that, how is that a good gift? Or maybe... You come from a home where mom and dad didn't stay together and they split up. And so you're looking at that environment and you say, how is that a good gift? Or maybe you're in a relationship right now and you're in a marriage that's just falling apart. You're just hanging on by a thread. You say, how is that a good gift? Or maybe you're divorced. You say, how, how can you stand up there and say that marriage is a good gift? Especially when you look at the statistics in our nation alone, more than 50% of all people that get married are going to get divorced. And so, Pastor Andrew, how can you stand up there and say that marriage is a good gift from God when at least half of the people that are getting married are trying to throw that gift in the trash or at least exchange it for a newer model of that gift, right? I mean, how, how can we say that marriage is a good gift from God with all of those experiences? And here's what I have to say this morning is that God gives us the gift of marriage and it's up to us to invest in and work on that gift. That's how that gift becomes great. When we first moved to Newberry, and there was a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of circumstances to get us to Newberry. Some of you know the whole story, but uh, about 10 years ago now, Pastor Rocky sat across a table from me at a restaurant and cast the vision of what Destiny Community Church was going to look like. Destiny Community Church was just a, a, an idea, a, a God-given idea in, in Pastor Rocky's mind and his heart. And he sat down with me, and, and he, I remember, I'll never forget this, he had a little logo printed out on a piece of paper. He was excited about what God was going to do in Newberry, and he was excited to move up here. He was still living in Tampa at the time, working as a youth pastor. I was working at a nonprofit right across the bay in, in Largo in the Clearwater area. And he slid this piece of paper across and said, this is what I'm doing and this is where we're going and this is where we're headed. It's going to be so exciting. Do you want to come with? Do you want to be the youth pastor at Destiny Community Church in North Florida? And I heard North Florida and I immediately said no. And let me tell you why. The only experience I had ever had with North Florida was when I was 16. I was dating a girl living in West Palm Beach. I'm, I'm a city kid through and through. I know that's hard for you to believe, right? But I'm a city kid. I'd never been out into the country. And so I was dating this girl whose extended family lived in North Florida. I'm not going to say the name of the town because I'm sure you, some of you are from there or know people from there and I'll offend somebody. So I'm just going to keep that to myself. All right. But I remember that we went to visit this extended family and they lived out on this farm and they were very successful. They had more money, honestly, than they even knew what to do with. But the doors to their, to their house stayed open all the time. And so animals roamed free in and out of their house. In fact, there was a pig that slept inside of their house. That is not a lie. The pig lived in, indoors um, better than some of maybe the people that were living around in that area. And, uh, and I'll never forget right before dinner uh, that first night we were there, I walked out the back door onto the back porch, and there is her little five-year-old uh, nephew sitting out there popping the heads off of quail, right? And that's what we're going to eat that night. And I think, oh my gosh, I, I'm, this is deliverance. The movie is happening right now. <laughs> And that is the, literally the only experience I had with North Florida. And so I've got this burned into my mind. And so Pastor Rocky sits across from a table and says, hey, come to North Florida with me. I'm like, where do the pigs come in church too? I mean, like, I don't know how that works. I just assumed that that's how everybody lived up here. And so, you know, I found out in my life, man, I, I figured out to stop telling God that I'm not going to do something uh, because I figure out every time I tell God I'm not going to do something, uh, I end up doing that thing that I tell God that I'm not going to because God always seems to win. Um, I told God after I graduated from Bible college, I am never moving back to Florida ever. 
I told God I'm never moving to North Florida ever, and here I stand today. And so, uh, you know, I, that's just a side note. That doesn't cost you anything. Stop telling God that you will never do something because you will probably end up doing it. God, I will never vacation in Hawaii ever as long as I live, <laughs> ever. You've got to start working that to our advantage right there. And so God started working on our hearts and we decided to move up here. We actually, at the time that Pastor Rocky approached me, Deanna and I were just engaged. We weren't even married yet. And not long after we got married, we moved up to Newberry and, and um, you know, it, we knew that this is where God was leading us. But still, we moved to Newberry and Deanna had all of her family. And she has a lot of family, a big family. They love hanging out with each other, spending time with each other. And I, I moved her away from that. I moved her away from a great job at the nonprofit where we worked together at that nonprofit. And so I moved her up here where we did didn't really know a lot of people, and so it was kind of a little bit of a, a tough transition for us, plus a whole different culture to get used to, and so I figured as a good husband, I'm going to buy her a gift, and so I know we've been talking about a dog, and so we went and bought a dog. I bought a dog as a gift for my wife, and from day one, that dog was high maintenance. I mean, that puppy had all kinds of issues and all kinds of problems, and this gift that I gave her, she ended up having to make sure that it was fed and watered and walked. You had to take care of it. You had to clean up after it. And some of you women are like, did I get a husband or did I get a dog? Because that's exactly the relationship that I have in my house. This gift took so much work and investment in order to enjoy it the way that it was meant to be enjoyed. And our marriage is the same exact way. Our marriage is a gift that God gives to us, but it takes work. It takes investment in order for us to enjoy marriage the way that God designed marriage to be. It is God's nature to give us good things. From the very start, God started by giving humanity, by giving us good gifts. In fact, the very first humans that God created, he gave them a gift. And we find it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. It says, and God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve after he had created the first humans. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And so what God is doing here, the very first thing that God does after he creates, creates humanity, he gives them this gift of the earth, essentially, the garden of Eden. He says, you're in charge of all the animals and you're in charge of this entire garden. You can eat from all of these, these fruits and vegetables. You can eat all of this stuff. He hands this gift to us, to humanity, but then humanity has to work the gift that he gave us, or else it would not yield the results that we need it to, you know, to yield. Those, those fr the fruit back in the Garden of Eden wasn't picking itself off the tree. We had to work at those things. God gives us gifts. God gives us the gift of marriage, and it's up to us to invest in it and work it. Now, here is one way that you can look at the gifts that God gives you, whether it's, uh, you know, our, our talent that God gives us, or whether it's even finances that he blesses with, with us, our marriage, whatever it is that God gives us as a gift. We have two ways that we can look at it. One, we can look at it as God gives me something, and then it becomes mine, and then maybe I can use it for him. Or we look at it as God has given me this gift that still belongs to him. And anytime that I use it for him, I'm giving back to him what's already his. One super easy illustration for us to understand this is with our finances. When we give our tithes, when we give our offerings, do we have the mindset of I'm going to give God some of what I have? Or are we saying I'm going to give God back what's already his? He's blessed me with so much. It's the least that I can do. With our talent, 
the things that we're good at in our life? Are we saying, I am good at this, so maybe I'll use some of this for God? Or are we saying, God, you have made me the way that I am. You've given me this talent. You've given me this gift. I'm going to use this for you because it's already yours anyway. And do we look at our marriage saying, God, you gave me this gift. Maybe I'll do whatever I want with it. Or do we look at this gift and say, God, you gave me the gift of marriage. It still belongs to you. And so I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to work at it because it's still yours. It changes all of the perspective when you look at things through those eyes, doesn't it? It changes everything when you realize that every good and perfect gift from God, it's good and perfect because it's still really his. We just have to work at it. We have to invest in it. So with a little bit of time that we have here this morning, I want to talk about two ways that we can invest in that gift of marriage. These aren't groundbreaking, earth-shattering things. These are things that, that should come as no surprise, but things that I feel like in my life and, and maybe in some of your lives, we need constant reminders of. So let's talk about it. The two ways that we can invest in the gift of marriage that God has given us. Number one, invest in your spouse. Invest in your spouse. What kind of investment is God looking for in our marriage relationship? With your spouse, what kind of investment exactly does he want us to put in? What kind of work does he want us to do? We find the answer to that in Ephesians chapter 5. If you would, go ahead and turn with me there. If you didn't bring your Bible, you don't have your phone or whatever, it'll be on the screen. But if you have it, I'd love for you to turn there and read along with me. And I want to give you a warning because this passage of Scripture might scare some of you because this, this passage of Scripture is maybe one of the most abused and misused passages of scripture when it comes to marriage in the entire Bible. This passage of scripture has been used to, uh, to intimidate people and, and, and misquoted and all kinds of stuff. And so before you just turn this passage of scripture off because of your past experience, let's just read God's word and let's see what he really means through this. And so Ephesians chapter five, we'll start in verse 22. It says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And that's where a lot of people just stop reading. And that's how this verse, this, how this passage of scripture has been so abused. But let's keep reading. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so to answer this question through this passage of scripture, how does God expect us as spouses to invest in our marriage? He spells it out right here. But we have to look a little bit deeper than just the surface level things. Because if we just look surface level, that looks like, all right, wives, submit to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. But when we really look deep into this thing, we realize that it's a higher calling than just submitting to a husband or loving your wife like Christ loved the church. Because when you really think about Jesus and how Jesus loved the church, what did he do for the church? He died for the church. He gave literally everything that he had for the church. And so the Bible is calling us to do the same thing, men, when it comes to our relationship with our wives. Talking about investment, the Bible is calling us, God is calling us by design to love our wives so much that we would lay down our lives for them. And you know what? It might be in a, you know, a, a literal sense, 
It might be, you know, jumping in front of that car and pushing her out of the way or jumping in front of the bullet. But you know what? Honestly, guys, that's kind of easy to think about in our minds because every guy kind of has that, that want to be a hero, right? I mean, we, we kind of envision those moments. Why do we spend so much watching superhero movies? Because we want to be the hero. That makes sense to us. But if we look a little bit deeper beneath the surface, maybe this means not just physically being willing to die for our wives, but man, what if this means really dying to ourselves? laying ourselves out there, not being right all of the time, not being selfish, but dying to ourselves so that we can love our wives as Christ loves the church. Now, what does that look like? What kind of investment is that? Because when you start talking about that, that's a mutual submission. That is both people submitting to each other, looking at each other, giving up their own rights, the wives submitting to the husband, giving up their rights, the man dying to self, submitting to that relationship as well. That is the investment that God calls us to. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of work to me, doesn't it? Let's be honest, that is a lot of work, and that's what God calls us to. He gives us this gift of marriage, and he says, listen, here's how you treat it. Here's how you invest in it. Here's how you work at it. You die to yourselves, and you give everything to be with that other person so that that relationship can flourish, so that that relationship can thrive. In your marriage relationship, what is it that you can invest in that relationship that maybe you haven't been investing? All we can invest is what we have, right? So what about time? Can you have more time, somehow get time that you can invest into that relationship that you haven't been investing into that relationship up until this point? Or how about money? Now, I'm not saying that you have to go be irresponsible with money, but I'm saying if you're husband or your wife, if her love language is gifts, then come off the wallet every once in a while and buy them something. It doesn't have to be a house, but it can be something meaningful that you put and invest in that relationship. Or what if it's just attention, communication, love? What are the things that you have in your possession right now that you can invest into your marriage, that you're not investing in your marriage right now? And I'll tell you, to be very, very honest with you, this gets really, really difficult to talk about. Because for us as human beings, we want to see results of things that we do right now, right? We want instantaneous results for anything. In the business world, we call this ROI, return on investment. If we make an investment into something, we want to be able to track with numbers and charts and graphs just how much our investment is paying off for us, right? That's what we want, but we want it immediately. In the business world, we're willing to wait just a little bit for it. In our relationships, we want it right now. We want the investment to be right now paying off for us, right? It's like, ladies, if you say, I, I cooked him his favorite meal, and the next morning he was still as unappreciative as he was the day before. It, it basically did nothing. I invested in this relationship, and nothing happened. Or men, you say, I, I bought her those just because flowers, just because I love her, that's it. I bought her just because flowers, and she still found some reason to nag at me about something, and so we just abandoned. We stop investing because we don't see that return on our investment immediately, but any good financial planner will tell you that solid investments take time to mature. Investing in your marriage is not going to be a fix right now, tomorrow, everything's going to be fine if you do one thing today. But over time, if we keep investing in those relationships, if we keep investing in that marriage, those things will start to accumulate and that marriage relationship will start to flourish. There is no get-rich-quick scheme when it comes to our relationship with our spouses, unfortunately. 
You know, at this point, maybe some of you are, are thinking, in, at this point in my marriage, investment is really not even an option. Investment at this point would be throwing good money after bad money, so to speak. Investment at this point, this thing is over. It is done, barely hanging on by a thread. It's not worth it for me to put one more ounce of myself into this relationship because it is just done. It's over. I'm not going to invest anymore in this. I saw the story recently of a woman who was seeing a counselor because her and her husband's relationship was on the rocks. He'd taken her for granted. He put her on the back burner so many times. He put his job, his career above her. She'd just been hurt and heartbroken. And finally, one day she walks into this counselor's office and she said, it's over. I can't, I can't do anything else. I cannot piece this thing together. I can't hold it together. I'm just done. I want a divorce. And this counselor said, I, you know, I, I understand that that's what you want to do. I know some lawyers, we can get them involved and we can get the process rolling. He said, but don't, don't you want to get back at him? I mean, you, you've been so hurt. Don't you want to get back at him? She said, of course I do. She was so, so much pain. That's all she could see was revenge. And he said, here's the plan. Hold off on filing the paperwork for about a month. Okay. You go home and every single day for the next month, you do 10 things that you would do if you were still in love with him. Like if you were head over heels in love with him, you do 10 things every day, just like you were still in love with him. And she's very confused. And she says, well, how is that gonna help anything? That's not gonna hurt him. He's gonna love that. And he said, listen, you do this for a month. At the end of the month, when he's fallen back in love with you and he thinks you're the best thing ever, then you pull the rug out from under him. Then you serve him divorce papers. You're gonna break his heart in two. And since all she can see is revenge, she agrees to this plan. And so she goes home. The next day, she starts enacting this plan. 30 days later, she sets up another appointment with a counselor. She comes in, she sits down, and he says, all right, well, it's been a month. He said, I've got these names of these attorneys ready to go. I think you should choose this one and this one. And he starts in on this whole talk, and she stops him midway through his first sentence. She says, I, I can't get divorced. There's no way I could divorce this man. I, I love this man. Our relationship is better than it has ever, ever been. All because she chose to invest in that relationship. All because she chose to invest in a relationship that was basically already over. There was a return on that investment. It probably didn't come the first day or the second day or maybe even the first week. But if you give that time, if you give your investment time to work, God can do amazing things in our relationships when we invest in them. So no matter where you are in your marriage relationship, invest, work, do something to make that relationship better. Sacrifice something. Second thing that we can do to invest in our marriages is invest in yourself. Now, I'm not talking about a spa day. And I think this applies to, to married people and singles. And married people, I think we're going to be able to pull some things out of this, this next little part of this message. But I think that primarily this is for single people in the room. Married people, we need to continue to invest in ourselves spiritually, when we're married, to keep on being that person that our spouse married, right? We have to continue to do that. But single people, if I could just talk to you for a, a couple of minutes, and, and I understand that not every single person in this room has the same background to get to the point where you are right now today. I get that. I totally understand that. I would never try and lump every single person into one category today because some of you are young and single and you don't have a, a husband or a wife because you haven't had time for it yet. You're still in school or you're still attaining some goals and that's your choice and that's fine. 
Some of you, you're in the room and you might still be young, but, but you want to be married and you're not yet because the opportunity hasn't presented itself and, and you just haven't found that person yet. Some of you are in the room and you've been divorced and so that's why you find yourself sitting in this room single today. Some of you are widowed and that's how you find yourself here single today. And so whatever way you became single or however you find yourself this morning, I think the couple of things that we're gonna talk about in the next couple minutes can apply. But if you're in the room and at all looking to get married, I think the one question you have to ask yourself as you invest in yourself is, am I fit to be tied? Am I fit to be tied? Am I in good enough shape to tie the knot? Not necessarily physically, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally. We have to do evaluations of ourselves. If you're single, I want you to take an evaluation of yourself and really truly ask yourself that question. Am I the type of person that someone would want to marry. The temptation as a single person is this, is to focus all your energy and all of your effort and all of your time and all of your mind space on trying to create the perfect checklist of the person that you want to marry. And that is a good thing. We have to have those ideals in our mind of what we want to have in a spouse. That's important. But also important is being the kind of person that is ready to get married. Not just finding the right person, being the right person is extremely important. You've got to invest in yourself right now at this point in your life. I get so frustrated is the wrong word. I, I, get, I get so, I think disappointed maybe is a better word to look. And I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. And so a lot of those Students that were in my youth ministry are now growing up, and I've been able to do some weddings of those, those students that were in you know, our youth ministry, and they're adults now. They're making you know, these decisions, and they're, they're getting married and dating seriously, getting engaged and all that kind of stuff. And as I watch from afar, I just get so disappointed sometimes because I see some of these people getting into relationships and trying to get married to somebody because they want something about themselves fixed, and they think that's the way to get it done. They think that if I can just be in this relationship with somebody, that that will, that will fix whatever is, is wrong about my character. And we're never going to say that. We're never going to actually admit that. But isn't that what, what, what's happening? So I, I've got something that's not right with me. And if I get with this person right here and we get married, maybe that will help. Maybe that will fix things. Maybe that will, will fix my, my loneliness just all the time. And maybe that will just help my self-esteem if I just find myself with the right person. But the reality is, is that if that's how you're looking at things as a single person, then you are setting yourself up for huge disappointment. One of the easiest ways that I love to look at marriage is that marriage is like a magnifying glass that you hold over every part of your life. When you get married, everything is amplified. It's, it's, it's magnified in your life, right? And so all of the good things about your life that you love in a relationship with somebody that you're dating or that you're engaged with, you know, Everything that you love about that relationship, when you get married, the magnifying glass slides over all that and it becomes even better. That's the real gift of marriage. That's when it gets really good. All the stuff that you like to do together, all the things that you enjoy about that other person, everything you love about that person, it becomes that much greater when you get married. But the problem is that magnifying glass works for all of those imperfections in your relationship as well. It makes everything that you hate about that other person that much bigger. It makes everything you can't stand in that relationship that much bigger. It makes every negative thought that you have about yourself that much bigger when you get married. Marriage doesn't fix us. God fixes us. That's how it works. So if you're single in the room today, invest in yourself 
by allowing God to come in and sand off the rough edges of your character and your personality. Let God into your life. Let him into that part of yourself that you've been holding back from him and start to allow him to let you become what you need to be in order to get married. Use this time to invest in yourself. Don't just sit as a single person waiting on God to bring you that person that's going to fix everything. Be as a single person, that person that is achieving a greater relationship with God. So when you finally do meet that person that God's got for you, you're ready for that relationship. I'm convinced that sometimes single people sit with their arms crossed waiting for God to bring them the exact right person into their lives. And all God's wanting them to do is take a couple steps forward and be the person that God has called them to be. And they're going to run right into that person because it's not until they step out. Single people, sometimes it's not until you step out into things that God has for you that you're going to meet that person. God's got them lined up for you. You just got to take the steps to get closer to them. And so this morning, if you're married, if you're single, no matter what it is, you can invest in your marriage today, right now. As soon as you walk out these doors, you can invest. And you can never invest too much in your spouse. You can never invest too much into your relationship, into your marriage. You can never invest too much. But I challenge you. I dare you. I double dog dare you. I, I triple dog dare you in the room today. Don't allow the gift of marriage to become a curse in your home. Don't allow this gift that is good and perfect from God, that still belongs to God, don't allow it to become anything less than that gift. Don't allow it to become that curse that you're just looking forward to getting out of. Invest, work in that relationship. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.